Welcome to the Beyond Green 365 podcast. This podcast educates homeowners on how to make healthier choices when updating, remodeling, or building a new home. Step Beyond Green to Healthy supports, advocates, and educates for healthier indoor environments. We make every effort to offer healthier options and learning opportunities. However, our assistance is not specific medical advice for any one person and or medical condition. For specific medical advice, please contact your physician. The content provided by Step Beyond Green to Healthy is for your information only. Any application of this information is your responsibility entirely. Here is your host, Jonathan Sinovic. Welcome everybody to this week's episode. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Randy Miller of All Right Home and Remodeling and SNE Insulation. All right, it's a family-owned business started back in 1969. And Randy is the second generation owner. His son is currently involved with the company as well. And he's hoping that one day he'll be able to say that they've been three generations within All Right. Randy is currently the vice president of a local Nary chapter and is heavily involved within the Stepion Green community. His company is award-winning. Recently, they've won the Century Club Award, which is given out by the Department of Energy for energy efficient, energy efficient standards and remodeling. He's also nationally recognized, most locally, He's been recognized for restoration work on a Franklin Wright home on their roof. Today's topic is all about insulation. We're going to talk about the do's, the don'ts, and all the fun things about it. So let's get started. Mr. Randy Miller, welcome to the studio today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I am doing fantastic. Well, the, the audience got to hear a little bit about your history and everything else, and it's we actually go many years back. It's it, I'm, I'm so excited to actually sit down with you again and start talking about um, Step Beyond Green and actually what that means to you, because I don't think we've actually had this conversation. Um, so how did, you, how did you get involved with Step Beyond Green? What got you involved in Step Beyond Green? Well, I mean, for one, I did have a chance to actually hear you do a presentation on on healthy and, you know, that whole thing in uh, the Dells, which was kind of impressive. And then it got me starting to think a little bit more. And there was a situation. I've got a mother who's got some health issues, and they were doing a project in her complex. Um, and I was just noticing how the unsafe practices – uh, with the fiber cement siding and uh, the fact that they, the silica dust was just being blown everywhere and just how uncomfortable she actually was feeling when the windows were kept open during that time frame, even if they were working two buildings away. I mean, it's still blowing in the air. And it started thinking to, or getting me to think about it more. I mean, Within my organization, we always want to end up being an advocate for the homeowner. Well, in my opinion, obviously, health concerns are something that we want to advocate for to make sure that a homeowner is, you know, we're using the right products for them. So I think that was one of the main things that stood out to me. And then, obviously, more and more, you and I have been talking, and there's been more research that I've done and more things that have come up over the years uh, situation for uh, my girlfriend's brother that uh, definitely could end up having to do with a healthy situation of drywall and the wrong product that was actually being used and how 
it was causing so many health problems for them. So, yeah, I got to uh, experience and hear, and I became a big fan of the uh, cause and everything that uh, you end up standing for. So thank you. Yeah, I, I, it, it's really empowering um, when we think about everybody listening to the audience right now. So one of the big things that I've talked about on other podcasts um, and through Step Beyond Green itself is the fact that as becoming a member, the first step is, you know, obviously doing a little bit of training. And your your first step actually happened to be before we offered the, the, the training programs, but back in one of my presentations. But what you said there was is you began to then dive into some research. And I think that's key to the people listening. Any of the Step Young Green members, one of the key things they tell people is, I, I'm just kind of the umbrella of the entire organization, right? I, I know a little bit about everything, <laughs> but I'm not an expert. And one of the things that I pride myself on is that members, once they get a little taste of it, once they get going at it, the research develops, they become really the expert. And I'm just feeding off of what we're going to talk about even today when we get when we talk about installation. I mean, these are all things that you've dove into, you've taken the initiative, your company is now striving for. And I think that's, that's really cool. Okay. Stop giving yourself not as much credit. Okay, <laughs> granted, you're the one that teed it up. But you're the one that actually had the initial scenarios and situations. You just brought it to our attention so that we can end up carrying it and finding new ways that we can end up improving for the health of the individuals that we're working with. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, insulation, that's that's going to be kind of our, our main our main topic for today. Um, and insulation, I think, comes across a lot of times in, in a negative way. I think over the years it's gotten this kind of hype, like oh, all insulation is bad and I, we can't do anything right and it's all full of stuff. But I, I think to get down to the basic, let's, I mean, what are, what are the three main types of insulation out there? Well, first and foremost, that's not a sexy item. We all know that. Not like really? a kitchen remodel. Wrapping yourself in bad insulation yeah, right? is not sexy, Randy? Come on. <laughs> okay. So fiberglass fat and insulation <laughs> is definitely the first one that ends up being out there. There's also cellulose insulation is the other one that's very, very popular. And uh, closed cell spray foam is also the third of the three main and majors that are out there. Are there others that are available to us? Absolutely. But those are the main ones that most of the insulation companies seem to be using. Got it. So kind of to recap there, it was uh, bat insulation. Uh, or, which fiberglass. I, or, or fiberglass. I mean, I think bat's more of the generic thing because it can be other types of stranded insulation, yep. I think. Um, and then we have cellulose and spray foam. So before we hit the spray foam, because that's going to be kind of a main one that we're going we're gonna to talk about today, um, cellulose. Um, now, when you say cellulose, uh, even I have been in the industry long enough to question, I'm not even sure what cellulose is. It seemed to have gotten a bad rap. Can you just spend a brief little bit of time on the history? And it, that differs from vermiculite, right? Oh, totally different. You're okay. talking night and day between those two products. Because I've had people come to me and go, oh, I've seen that stuff in my attic. It's all vermiculite. And I'm like, no, I think that's cellulose insulation. Right. So maybe give the audience a little bit of the visual of the two products uh, between those two and then what's developed in cellulose over the years. Sure. So vermiculite, which you brought up. And by the way, that is still available out there these days, which kind of surprises it. Really? <laughs> Honest to God, it's still there. It's a natural product that's available and is used, but the different strains are some does have asbestos in it, some does not have asbestos in it. Are they cleaning it better? I don't know. I am not one that's using it, but I did hear that they do use it around still fireplaces, sometimes in commercial grade, I mean, commercial usage as well. But as far as with residential and what is cellulose insulation? Cellulose is just that paper. 
um, I actually had a chance to go and do a plant tour and what they end up using and the components that they end up having. But the main thing ends up being that it's a paper product that's shredded up very finely. Um, and the vermiculite, which we were referencing before, kind of looks more like crystallized cat litter. Uh, mm. It's more clumped, you know, where cellulose, it's fine paper products. And they do put um, products on it to make sure that that isn't going to end up being a fire hazard because that's the first thing most people mm-hmm. end up worrying about. The plant that I actually went to, they test it like every hour and a half. They're making sure that it's not going to be a flammable item. So it, it was impressive to end up seeing what they're doing. But it is more of a natural paper product. It's recycling the paper that are out there. Got it. Got it. And and I know um, there's also been talks over the years of that because it's a paper product, it's going to just have mold. No matter what, if it gets a little bit of moisture, it turns into this mess because it's a paper product. Is is that a concern? I mean, mold is always a concern. Mm -hmm. And if you've got high humidity levels, you will end up seeing mold that could end up forming. You know, it's not uncommon. I know that you had Dave on from Clean, who mm-hmm. talks about mold all the time. And great guy, great reference for that. But it can end up being on anything. You know, is it going to end up being on the OSB boards? Could it end up being on the drywall? Could it end up being any product that, anything that's porous, could end up taking it in and causing it to be a mold issue? Got it. So it's not necessarily a pro or a con it's a true statement yes it's paper it could it could develop mold but the reason for the development of mold is the problem it's not going to instantly be correct. a mold problem because of it's a paper product right correct got it got it i see um so spray foam i say <laughs> it that way because anybody who runs across me especially in the healthy realm will go I can't believe jonathan's talking about spray foam he's going to tell everybody in the world to stay away from it. it's a deadly substance um and i think for the audience sake i want you to know that it even before Randy became a member, um, him and I have had this discussion for a couple of years now. And I think it's a discussion. It's a good back and forth. And I really have learned a lot about the product. I've learned a lot about the safety proto- protocols from Randy. So but, but I just want everybody out there to know, yeah, it's not my it's not my favorite product. It's not in your the, go-to. In, in, in the product. And we're going to discuss. I think we should discuss a little bit why it's not my favorite product. Um, but I, I want people to pay close attention because when we talk about – healthy and we've always in terms of well we're trying to prevent unhealthy situations there are just certain aspects that we can't i i can't argue against and i think randy's going to touch base on in just a second and in instances in which it is the right product to prohibit a potential problem in the future and so why don't we talk why don't we start there so when is spray foam the right product well uh, spray foam is actually a great product when you're talking about air sealing And air sealing means the mitigation or the ability for moisture to be able to go through products or certain areas, air gaps um, between the drywall at the top plates. Another area that we end up using it quite a bit is in the sill boxes. Because of the fact that there's the gaps that are in there, it it avoids all of that. Um, We can go back and forth, which you and I do plenty (laughs) as far as with, yeah, but there's this scenario. Yeah, but there's this scenario, you know, um, which is worse. Leftover matter from a mice 
or many mice getting through, or if we seal that up very well, and now all of a sudden you don't have those gaps. And now, now you're not having those problems with the mice. Or in the situation where you've got cathedral ceilings. And as an architect, you love to end up putting cathedral ceilings out there, and you're not alone, you know. But now you're not thinking about how much insulation you can actually end up putting between those rafters because you're only given a 6-inch, 7-inch, 8-inch total uh, span. And yet, if you're using fiberglass insulation or you're using cellulose insulation at R3, Six inches, that's an R18. Well, what's going to end up happening is moisture will end up getting trapped through there and causing more problems of mold or microbial growth, which, you know, unless we test it, that's what we're supposed to reference it as, right? Right, exactly. So, um, but if I end up using closed cell spray foam in those areas and it's sealed up properly where you're not getting the off-gassing coming into the home, then that's a better scenario than having mold that can end up coming through. And you're talking an R7 per inch. So you're getting that R value that you need to keep the home healthier and, you know, warm. Right. And I think very, very key piece that I want to go back to, as you said, as you know, we're, as we're not bringing the off gassing inside the house, I think sometimes we get caught up. I know in the healthy realm, I know when I talk to a lot of potential, you know, a lot of people out there, they're worried about that the off-gassing of the product, right? So, and that and that's where I when I kind of laugh about us going back and yep. forth. It's well, the the off-gassing of the product is a huge concern for me, not for just for the occupant after it's there, but Randy and I have talked about even his installer itself. Because as far as being a you know part of Stepping on Green, we're not looking at just the 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 whole the whole the homeowner. We're looking at the application of it as well. So we've gone back and forth about that but getting back to what you said though is we're, we want to reduce the off-gassing within the house and I think that's where I start to kind of expand my own mindset I think I've been a little bit more open on the subject line of if if the spray foam is exposed in the attic let's say because this is the kind of the, where we've talked about and we're spray foaming there because it's a right application if it is off-gassing to the attic space but we've done our job of sealing the floor the ceiling system right when we talk about air air sealing yep. and we've done these things then I start to know my mind up to if it's the right product to to be put in the application and I don't have access to that product, I'm okay with it. As long as we're not off-gassing back into the house, there are just certain good trade-offs. And I think the air sealing, we talked about our windows, right? That's that's been, a, that's been a huge back and forth with even his sales team. I've been out actually chatting with the sales team about how to sell healthy and, and what pieces of it to sell. And their big concern was around windows. Like, you say, no spray foam, John. What are we going to do? Like... And so, Randy, talk to us a little bit about why it's important to seal with spray foam around windows. Well, I mean, windows and same thing with the sill boxes. It's kind of important because those are air gaps. And what's funny is those areas are going to end up having more airflow coming than any of the window component itself typically. I mean, hmm. obviously, there are situations that end up coming up. The window is not necessarily made the best, but... The way they've designed windows these days to have the offset between upper sash, lower sash, you're not getting the airflow coming from that. It's from the outer edges of the framing. So to end up sealing those up so you're not getting that cold air coming through makes it more comfortable, but even more importantly, it's the right way to do it. Right. And I think um, when I th when we've talked through it before and, and kind of back me up on here if I've got, got it correct, 
One of the, the, the issues is is stuffing a product like a, like a bed insulation into those seams because people would say, well, okay, let's assume you can because I know one of the arguments, so what if it's so small I can't put anything in it, well, right? And to um, clarify, we still do end up using the fiberglass insulation as well in situations. And, but kind of where you're going with this, as that compresses, as it gets too compressed at a point, it's actually – it's all. It's our value comes from it's. It's. It's the air space it has between the, the actual fibers. So, I never really put two and two together, and I think people out in the audience wouldn't either. That the more that I compress that batten or that fiberglass insulation, the worse it actually becomes as a, as a product. And so, therefore, even in the application terms, the spray foam is a better application there because I'm actually going to seal it better. Correct. Correct. You're completely sealing it up in comparison to it. We actually at when we do demonstrations or have at the show as well, we show the difference. Typically, we end up showing between cellulose and the fiberglass and how much more that air ends up going through with the fiberglass and, and allowing that much heat and airflow to end up going through. But same thing ends up working with the round windows when that thing is just compressed. It's just not doing its job properly. Sure. So what about, you know, I think my aud- the audience would be really kind of excited about a new product because everybody's like, ah, tell me something new. So is there anything new in insulation that's coming out? So I had a really cool chance when I went out to take a look at uh, one of my insulation suppliers. And they're doing R&D right now on hemp, which I thought, huh, that's pretty impressive and pretty interesting because you're talking about a not only a natural product, you're talking about a product as well that grows very quickly in comparison to you know, the trees in general. So it's m- going to be more readily available. But right now, it's just very expensive. But it was the, during their R&D process, we're concerned about obviously fires and things like that in a home. They had to use less in order to make sure that that was a better fire resistant than they do with cellulose. Hmm. Just because of the makeup of the uh, hemp itself, being a stickier product, it actually had a better holding power to it. So it's kind of cool to end up seeing that that is going to be used down the road for so many different uh, directions. And talk about sustainable. I mean, you're talking every component of that product is now being used, Hmm. not just for the smoking purposes or for the healing for health purposes, but also is going to be used as far as for future projects with home improvement. I already heard that they're using it even in concrete in some ways. It's a strong, so it's being used strong for fiber, yeah. Yep. It's a. Do they think that's going to have the same or similar R values? Yes. They did actually have been testing the R values. It just takes a lot more of the product in comparison to cutting down a tree. Got it. Got it. But it's kind of neat to actually end up thinking that there's another avenue that it could be used for. And do you do you think, just in a professional opinion, that it's going to come down in price because of the the availability? I mean, as as more and more states are allowing it to be grown in their states, um, I, I got to believe that that product availability will come for easier at this point. There's going to be more sticks and stems, so yeah. that'll be available. The more it's available, you know, instead of them tossing it away or just burning it, it can instead be used for other purposes, which is kind of neat. Yeah, that is that is really cool. So we'll have to keep an eye out for hemp insulation next couple of years here and see if yeah. we can see it hit, 
the market. We had uh, we had you'd mentioned Dave from Advantage Clean on uh, earlier in the in the podcast here, and I want to get back to he had made him a comment about that if you see mold in the basement, uh, more than likely you have it in the attic. So if we run across that and when in, in, in installation of the attic, are there are there ways to in, to make sure? Or I guess in improve the likelihood I don't have it? Like, are there precautions I can take? Are there things that, are that maybe if mold would develop in my basement, it wouldn't end up in the attic? So I think what he was probably alluding to is think about how much moisture is actually in your basement, whether the fact that it's underground, if you don't keep your dehumidifiers down low enough, you've usually got a sink down in the basement, you've got uh, also your washing machine is in there, your damp clothes you end up hanging down below in those areas. So you've got all of these things that are right in your basement area that are all filled with moisture. Now, that chimney chase that ends up going right from the basement and your plumbing stacks go all the way up through through your attic and out, but the outer edges of that are actually open gaps hmm. in a lot of cases. So when it's designed, it's made with those gaps in mind because that way they can end up getting the plumbing out and through properly. So during construction. But with those gaps as well, that's allowing all that moisture to continue going up and through. Those have to be sealed off. And once you end up stopping that airflow from coming through the basement all the way up into the attic space, you're, you're improving on the fact and minimizing the chance of getting mold in your attics even though you had it in the basement. Hmm. Yeah, that, that actually sparks a thought process that um, I think when people talk about reinsulating their, their attics, that the first thing, well, we'll just, you're just going to take out the product and put it on another product, right? Like, what, what's the difference if I've already got it there? Why would I, I do it? But I think one of the things that you've always talked to me about is that, it, is that you actually look at sealing things like the chimney and yep. the plumbing stacks. And Quite honestly, even like the light penetrations. In fact, I was we were chatting the other day with Current Electric about the fact that how many penetrations we have with cans and ceiling fixtures, and how many people don't take into account that that's all leaking through those areas. Um, and so, I would imagine part of what your company does is is seal all that, right? Completely. There's three components that we always end up looking at. We look at the ventilation in the attic space. We look at and specifically attic space. We look at the um, insulation levels and the air sealant. All three of those components need to end up working properly in order to have a well sealed up house. And and that's and that's critical um, for a, a lot of what we just we discussed about today. But also keeping the attic separated from the house. And I think that gets back to you know that off gassing of products back into the house. If we can seal up that attic space, so that we get no we got nothing transferring between your second floor and the attic, or if you're in a ranch from the ceiling to the attic. Um, that's a huge health benefit to us. Um, and it also kind of allows us some flexibility in the attic space, right? Yep. And controlling the moisture level inside the envelope, as we reference it, mm-hmm. the inside of the house and making sure that that's being controlled and uh, leaving, but not making the house too, too dry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, well, we're just about out of time here. Anything else you want to tell the audience about insulation today, Randy? Um. Just make sure it's properly insulated. I mean, in the attic, we're looking at an average right now here in the Wisconsin market of an hour 50. Look at your basements. Make sure that there's no cracks in your sill boxes. And even though 
spray foam is not necessarily, from your perspective, the healthiest. It does have enough of a benefit to it. Um, and that's the only area, actually, that it is exposed is in the basement area. And we always take precaution um, as far as with wearing PPP or PPP. You know, PPE. <laughs> PPE. Yeah, we just came off of the COVID thing. So <laughs> right. PPE, proper PPE, and, uh, you know, they're properly masked. And we always end up recommending while we are doing the work and even for the next hour or two after that, that homeowners just stay away, especially if they have sensitivity to uh, chemical smells. Got it, got it. All right. Well, it's always it's it's always a great time chatting, chatting with you. Just to recap some of the things that we talked about, um, there are the three main types of insulation today. We talked about um, the the batten insulation or fire fiberglass insulation. We talked about cellulose and what that looks like and how it differs between you know uh, vermiculite and cellulose insulation, as well as spray foam. Uh, obviously, you just alluded to that. Also, new product coming to the market that we're hoping to see here and more of a reasonable price point is going to be hemp insulation. It's got really good properties, um, and it's using less fire-resistant uh, chemical in order to, to hit, hit the, uh, that. Also talked about uh, air sealing. You know, I think that kind of was the overriding theme of today was make sure that we're sealing up different things, whether it's between windows, your ceiling, and the attic. Um, Randy, I, I think you and I could chat about this stuff forever. I, I think it, it will be a joy to have you back on, and thank you again for your time today. Hey, the banter with you is always really good, and your knowledge and history of the healthiness, I appreciate. Awesome. All right, we'll see you next time. All right. Step Beyond Green's mission is to create healthier indoor environments for us to live and work in. This is one of the ways that we do this. Please like, subscribe, or share this, as well as leave a comment below about this topic, or maybe it's a topic you'd like us to discuss in the future. As always, stay healthy. We'll see you next time.